ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. Welcome in. It is the Thursday, May 24th edition. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. This hour, we're going to get you caught up on everything that took place last night. NBA, NHL, we've got some takes on that. We'll talk about that. Coming up on the program in a few minutes, we're going to hear from Lisa Williams. She's the Associate Athletic Director for Academic Services at Marshall University. And we got the news last night. Marshall's APR looking really solid. That's an important number. You want those numbers high because the NCAA keeps track. And if your academic progress rate falls below a certain number, then your program's going to get hit. So those numbers are really solid. And we're going to allow Lisa to talk a little bit more about those numbers later on. Plus your phone calls at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. Now, earlier this afternoon, you heard it right here, the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Cincinnati Reds did not go the way it should have for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Greg Brown's got the recap. Ivan Nova gave up a grand slam to the Cincinnati Reds' third baseman, Eugenio Suarez, in the third inning. It was his third career granny, the eighth home run of the season. It gave the Reds a 4-0 lead. Jesse Winker homered in the fifth, his first of the year, to make it 5-0. The Pirates fell just short, fell to the Reds 5-4. David Fries hit a two-run homer in the sixth off winning pitcher Luis Castillo. And Austin Meadows homered off lefty Amir Garrett with a man on in the ninth and one out to make it a 5-4 ball game for Meadows, his third homer, in the last four games, he has been incredible in his first six big league ball games. He went three for four on Thursday afternoon. He now has 11 hits in his first 25 major league at-bats. But the Pirates lose five to four to the Reds. Greg Brown on your home for Pirates baseball. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate that. And we'll have, of course, Pirates baseball back for you tomorrow evening hours right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. And we're going to get into it a little bit more detail later on, but five not the way you wanted it to go if you're a Cleveland Cavaliers fan as Boston. They took control of the East again. They've got now the 3-2 lead in that series as they defeated Cleveland 96-83. to That puts Cleveland behind the eight ball. They've got to win out. They have got to win their home game. So far, nobody's lost at home, so they've got to win their home game, and then they got to go back on the road in Game 7, win that to get to the NBA Finals. And, of course, it's going to be a tough one for the Western Conference as well because right now it's tied at two games apiece between the Warriors and the Rockets. 9 o'clock, going to be tip time coming up tonight. We're going to have that game for you right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Right now, I'm, I'm leaning towards Houston in this series. I've just felt like the superstars are coming out to play for Houston. I haven't seen that just yet from Golden State. I don't know if they've got that spark now. Again, this has been back and forth, but Houston really came out and showed me that they're not done yet to tie this series up. Whoever wins Game 5 has got a great shot of winning either 6 or 7 and putting the other team 
to the postseason purgatory of watching from home. I like the Houston Rockets' chances. We'll break this down a little bit later on. Of course, it's coming up tonight again right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. And I'm excited. I'm actually excited. I'm more excited for Houston, I think, on the west side than I am for anybody coming out of the east. There's even some talk that maybe LeBron James is looking a little tired, that he's not as fresh as he once was. Well, yeah, he's an older player. So I don't know if that's a fair criticism because, well, he's an older player. But right now, it just feels like it's LeBron and everybody else, and I don't know what it's going to take to get them past the Celtics. Celtics are definitely the younger, fresher team. The Cavaliers with LeBron should be the more experienced team. But that's coming back up. We're going to have that one for you tomorrow. It's going to be a Friday affair. You can listen to that on our sister station, Cat Sports 93.3 and 1340. Uh, 8.30 is going to be uh, tip time. We're close to it, and we'll have it for you 8 o'clock. So we've got you covered for the weekend, of course, a lot of basketball. And we're all going to wait till Monday for hockey as the Stanley Cup is now set. I had fun yesterday. Not mean, but I got on Twitter just to see some reaction there. And one, I think there's a little bitterness coming out of my guy, Dave Weekly. Dave Weekly is just a little bitter, just a tad. He's a Pens guy, so I can see that. Alex Ovechkin making it to the Stanley Cup, that's kind of freaked them out a little bit. They're not used to that. I want to check in on my guy, Doug Smock. He's not used to this as well. I was kind of worried about him. He got back to me quickly, though. He's um, He's got a backup plan. He's got a backup plan. Everybody's a Vegas fan all of a sudden, man. I jumped on that bandwagon early. I was smart. I got on that bandwagon early. I figured, what can I what can I lose here? New team in town? That could be my that could be my West Coast team. I need a good West Coast team when my Rangers aren't in contention, and sometimes that's more than not. So I need a good West Coast team. Somebody I can get behind, have some fun with. I like Vegas. Love the city of Vegas, actually. I'm good. Everybody's on that bandwagon today. Now we'll see what happens after the Stanley Cup's over if everybody just goes their separate ways. But I'm I'm feeling that the team everyone is rooting for is Vegas. It feels like everyone's got together. The NHL has band together. Fans of the NHL's band together to root against Alex Ovechkin. Come on, Ovi hasn't been there. Give him some love. Give him an opportunity there. I was actually happy that they beat Tampa Bay. I'm not against Tampa Bay. I just wanted to see Alex Ovechkin at least have the opportunity. He's a good player. He's a great villain for a lot of you, but he's a good player as well. And it's good to see he's got this point in his career. He's finally got to a Stanley Cup final. And if he wins it, fantastic. If not, I'm going to be excited because I'm liking those Vegas boys, and we'll get into that later on. But when we come back from break, we're going to talk a little bit about Marshall, the academic numbers are out. The academic progress rate is great for the Thundering Herd. There were several programs with a perfect single-year APR of 1,000. So we'll get into those programs, talk about why this is important, not just to the student-athletes, but to the athletic programs in general. When we continue, we'll hear from an expert on this subject. 
Lisa Williams, who's the Associate Athletic Director of Academic Services, is going to join us when we continue here on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Thursday edition. I'm your host, Paul Swan. And, you know, sometimes we don't talk about enough about the academic performance of the student-athletes. We usually just talk about the scores. But yesterday we got the numbers, and Marshall had five athletic programs with a perfect single-year score. That's fantastic. 1,000 is what you shoot for in women's basketball, women's golf, softball, women's swimming, and diving and volleyball everybody uh, doing well in those programs and to tell us a little bit more about how they did and the rest of the programs that marshall did we want to welcome to the program now i don't i think it's her first time lisa williams is joining us the associate athletic director for academic services is with us and uh, lisa these are some great numbers to talk about these are great numbers um we couldn't be more proud of our student athletes and what they've accomplished in the classroom all right, I'm going to get this one out of the way quickly because uh, everyone wants to know how football do, and uh, I'm sure they did well as uh, everyone across the board seems to have done. They they did do very well. Um, their their score again was was high, and it all comes down to uh, retaining these students and um, seeing them eligible each semester. So they did they did a great job as well. So as a refresher for everyone, the academic progress rate is not just a number for bragging. It's really important as far as keeping your programs eligible. Uh, If you would talk about it, refresh everyone on what this is and why it's so important. Yes. The um, NCAA uses what's called an APR score, and that's an academic progress rate. And that's just a measure that they put into place to help – Schools make sure they maintain these. First of all, being um, being eligible to play, meeting the academic requirements that you need uh, to stay on target for graduation, and then also um, retaining students from semester to semester or year to year. And those two numbers are calculated, and each school it averages out with an A, what's called the APR score. And that APR score dictates um, if a school is going to remain funded and, and um, you know, not suffer any sort of um, detriment to the program or, or any kind of penalty. It's also nice to hear these numbers because this is proof positive that, okay, Marshall University, and you can only speak for your program, but Marshall University has put – the energy into making sure that this isn't just a factory for athletes. You know, the student athlete is coming in. It's actually a situation where they're being a student and an athlete. And here's the proof right here in the numbers. Definitely. Um, I have to say that when this academic facility was built several years ago and, and we went from being in a, um, a Students went from like a study lab of 15 computers, and with this uh, facility now, we have a 100-computer lab. We have the capability of being able to give students 
um, the, the time and the facilities that they need to be able to, to do well academically. We've got um, a lot more tutors that we have helping our students, and um, it, it's just a great facility, and we couldn't be more thankful to the donors who made that a reality. Um, I think that's been very uh, key into helping our scores improve and helping our GPAs improve. Why do you feel that it's important to have such a facility like this? Uh, the student-athlete has, I'm sure, you know, all of the same problems as a regular student, but I know they've got to take care of being a student and an athlete. Why do you feel then it's so important that you have this, I don't want to say extra help, but these are fantastic facilities, and, and sometimes I don't think people realize a lot is being asked of these kids not only to maintain their classroom work, but to maintain their athletic performance and their work when they're performing. That That is very true. And it, until you actually see what a student-athlete goes through on a daily basis and, and see what their schedule is like on a daily basis, these kids get up. Uh, before the break of dawn, they're going out, they're uh, doing their workouts, hitting the training room. Um, they are then, you know, going straight to the classroom, and they go from class to class. They try to squeeze in their lunch um, and back to classes again in the afternoon. Then they're trying to um, go to practice and, um, and squeeze in dinner. And then uh, when are they going to do their homework and do the things, all the assignments that they need to do for their classes? And um, that's where this facility um, in the evenings, you really would not believe the number of students who are in this facility. When you see it firsthand, it makes you really wonder how in the world this happened before this facility was built. Um, you know, it, it, we will have every computer in the evenings, 100 computers filled up, um, and a lot of students with tutors, and um, it, it takes a lot of people to really um, keep this going, and the students are just doing very well with this kind of atmosphere. Lisa Williams is our guest. She's the Associate Athletic Director for Academic Services at Marshall University. And How would you compare how Marshall's performed against Conference USA? I didn't. I can't. I didn't hear your question. Okay, no problem. I asked, how would you compare how Marshall's performed against the average, or how Conference USA has performed on the um, academic progress rate? Yes. Yeah. How does Marshall compare to Conference USA? Um, all schools have done well. We we fall in line, and we're average with um, all the other schools. The, the um, the rate has actually kind of trended upward for a lot of schools, and um, we're, we're staying very competitive. Marshall University, of course, um, boasting several perfect numbers in a single year, and they were women's basketball, women's golf, softball, women's swimming and diving, and volleyball. So those programs have all excelled. And swimming and diving and volleyball have had perfect scores for three consecutive years. 
what are they doing that maybe some of the other programs should start emulating to try to boost their scores, not that the scores are low to begin with? Right. These students, um, you know, they really outshine in the classroom. And um, I will say that some of that um, comes from the coaching perspective and some um, maybe place a higher um, being competitive with other schools. They like to compete to have a better score. So um, some of these students are just outshine in the classroom. And um, some, we're lucky to have some of our sports that just, they, they do. They just get perfect uh, GPAs. You know, we have um, almost 50 students who got a 4.0 GPA this semester, and um, that's really something to brag about. Is there a particular sport that's tougher to be a student athlete in than, say, another sport? I don't want to take away one from the other, but I can imagine that it's super difficult to be a student athlete in a football environment compared to, and I don't want to pick on Coach Grove, but say the men's golf team. Correct. Uh, yes, definitely. And if I had to say, probably um, the, our biggest uh, uh, place that we need help is with baseball. Uh, those kids are having to travel every weekend. Um, every time they play even a home game, they're having to drive to Charleston to do that. That's the sport. that Men's baseball is the sport that suffers the most um, in, in the classroom and having missed school days, um, that's our biggest, uh, biggest issue and biggest hurdle right now to, to overcome. These students are placed at a significant disadvantage um, at having to miss more school days than, than all of our other sports. And um, it's very important when they are here on campus um, you know, we've got to get them in here in the academic center and uh, make sure they're getting their work done and meeting with tutors and staying on top of their assignments. But it's very hard um, to do with their travel schedule. Is there anything that can be done outside of just getting Marshall a baseball park built to keep them at home a little bit more to to really help a, a team like that? That's where you come in, obviously, trying to keep track of everything when they're here. But what are you or what are the coaches trying to do on the road when you have those situations? Well, you know, it depends. Some of the students are, are lucky enough to where they, um, they have laptops, but it's um, – Every student's different, so it's trying to find a hotel, if if you're lucky enough, that's got Wi-Fi access where you can um, get on your laptop and and access and do your assignments. A lot of of courses require you to be on Blackboard, which is a software program where students submit a lot of um, assignments that way, but the key is making sure they have the equipment to do that and the, you know, the Wi-Fi access. Some hotels, they don't get service. Um, they don't get service while they're traveling. So um, th- that's just a big hurdle. Joining us on the program, Lisa Williams. She's the Associate Athletic Director for Academic Services. We're discussing Marshall's APR. The numbers came out in Thundering Herd, as expected, doing well and excelling in several sports. 
what do you expect for those programs that are maybe not hitting those perfect marks? Uh, is is the goal to get everybody to that perfect mark, or is that just shooting too high, or is that something that maybe you can achieve? I think it's um, you know it just it, it depends. It depends. I think a lot on um, the students. Some sports you're not going to do. You're not going to get a perfect score, um, but get. Looking at where the track record has been, I, I like to look at where were we a year ago and go forward from there. And it's doing the little steps each day that over time I think we'll, we'll just keep seeing improvements. Um, you know, one thing that we uh, improved upon in this last year was increasing our, our tutoring availability. We employed more tutors, and let me give a shout out to them because um, th they helped us tremendously in the fall. We have a great group of students here at Marshall who really take pride in um, in being able to help our student athletes and and make sure they understand some of the concepts and uh, things that that they need help with in the classroom. So um, we did invest in more more tutors, and that really I think paid off this year. But it's making those those small steps each day, looking at back at where where was our APR score a year ago, where were our GPAs a year ago, and just looking at what we can do to make the next year better. Lisa Williams, our guest, the Associate Athletic Director for Academic Services at Marshall University and an exceptional report for the APR numbers for the Thundering Herd. Lisa, before we let you go, anything else you want to touch on or anything we missed? Uh, no, I just want to say I, I couldn't be prouder of our student-athletes. Uh, just their schedule and what they go through on a daily basis um, you know, a lot of times they just, they're exhausted and they come in here and uh, no one wants to sit and do homework when they're, when they're uh, as tired as they are, but they do it and we could not be prouder. We have a great group of um, counselors that help our students um, and stay with them, stay, keep them on track for graduation. And um, also a shout-out to the academic advisors on campus who, who continue to help us uh, keep our students successful in the classroom. Lisa, good talking to you. Congratulations. These are great numbers, and uh, it's, uh, it's good to see that uh, we don't forget the student portion of the student-athlete. Yes, thank you. That's Lisa Williams. She's the Associate Athletic Director for Academic Services at Marshall University. We'll get your phone calls in at 877-420-8255, 877-420-TALK. This is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255 to be a part of today's drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. And, you know, the Cavaliers might be on the verge of elimination, but the accolades still coming in for LeBron James. LeBron James, also James Harden from Houston, both unanimous votes. They got all the votes. They are all NBA first-team selections. James done it for a record 12th time. 
15-year career, 12th time. That's pretty impressive for him. James played in all 82 games for the first time, averaged 27.5 points to go along with career highs of 9.1 assists and 8.6 rebounds. Passing Kobe Bryant and Carl Malone for most NBA All-Star, I'm sorry, NBA first-team selections. Now, Harden, of course, an MVP finalist. Get this. Tim and Michael Jordan, the only players to average at least 30 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds, and 1.7 steals per game in a season. Harden and James join Golden State's Kevin Durant. Anthony Davis making it from New Orleans. Also, um, Damian Lillard from Portland, all on the NBA's all-first team. That's a media vote now. Durant belongs there. Durant belongs there. Why? Well, let me tell you. 26.4 points, 6.8 rebounds, 5.4 assists, and a career high of 1.75 blocks this season for the Warriors. That's the average. Now, this is all good. We know Harden's good. We know Harden's good. I think Harden's on a mission right now. If Golden State gets past Houston, they will have done something in my mind because I really believe James Harden is on a mission. LeBron James is on a mission as well. He just doesn't have anyone to quest with. You look at LeBron James. I don't know. There are some reports out there, media outlets, some of the more um, opinion-based sources are saying, looking tired. Wouldn't you look tired? If you had to carry the entire Cleveland Cavaliers on your back, wouldn't you look tired? That's crazy. I know there's always going to be that, how good is LeBron James? LeBron needs some help. LeBron can't do it all alone. You can't play five-on-one, which it feels like sometimes. And other times, LeBron, I think he's just he's saving some energy out there. He just looks tired. But he's still showing up. I kind of question him in game one against the Celtics. I thought he was a little lax on defense. But he's looking to score. He's got to. He's got to put the points in. Now, We have seen the Cavaliers down before. We have seen them in situations where they have faced elimination. And they have come back. I just don't know how much gas they will have in the tank if they can come back, win this series, because they're on the verge of elimination now, and then face either Houston or Golden State. Then again, I don't know how much gas any of those teams are going to have. These two teams are battling back and forth. Uh, I think... If anyone can go seven, it's probably going to be Golden State and Houston. That's going to go seven. And I'm not sure yet. The Cavaliers have held home. So this could go seven as well in the East. All I know is more basketball for us. And don't forget, we've got basketball action throughout the playoffs. Uh, You can listen to the games here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 also on Cat Sports 93.3 and 1340. So if you're looking for a game, we've got you covered as far as that is concerned. So um, I'm I'm not sure, though. I don't think the Celtics uh, are going to let up. I mean, it, was, it was close. 
it was close, but you're getting some great play from Boston. I mean, Jason Tatum had 24 points in that game. Al Horford had 15, and he had 12 rebounds as well. They're doing what they need to do. I mean, they're remaining perfect in Boston. They're doing what they need to do. I mean, this is going to be – think about this. We haven't seen Boston this close to the NBA Finals since 2010. So they're going to be really poised to take this from Cleveland on Friday night. This could be the game where the road team wins. Because, again, LeBron's carrying everybody else. It's LeBron and Kevin Love. LeBron's got 26 and 10 out of that game. Kevin Love had 14 for the Cavaliers. And that's it. Production drops off. It's it's the LeBron and Kevin show out there. I don't think you're going to get it done with LeBron and Kevin. You need some other players to show up. The money right now is um, Cavaliers minus one. Over under is 206. Why are we talking about that? Why? Because it's legal now. It's going to be a thing. It's not going to be the whole thing, but now we can talk about this stuff because that's going to be important. The money line is um, minus 110 for the Cavaliers, Celtics minus 110. And that's going to change, of course, for those of you who are are antsy, starting to feel like you're going to have to get your bet on for this. I'm just going to point that stuff out. But we thought that the Celtics would be done with this by now. But they have been really strong at home. And then Cleveland has been really strong at home. That's been the difference. It's right now who blinks first at home and loses. And if anybody's going to drop one, I think it's going to be Cleveland at home because I think the Cavaliers can smell the blood in the water. Plain and simple. They're younger. They're going to be fresher. And I think that's going to really play into this. And they're confident. They know that, okay, if they can't take game six, they'll take game seven. So they might come out in game six with nothing to lose because they don't have anything to lose. LeBron's got his back to the wall. The Celtics don't at this point. And on the flip side, haven't we got some exciting hockey as of late? Keeping up with the NBA has been fun, but have we not had some exciting hockey? Because right now, something that a lot of you never thought you would see in your lifetime happen. Alex Ovechkin picked it up in his hands, touched it, carried it, had it. The Prince of Wales trophy. Got to have the team photo with the trophy. Alex Ovechkin has never done that. Washington Capitals have not done that in the Alex Ovechkin era. And not only did they win this game, they just dominated this game. They came out to play like I thought they were going to do the first three or four games before they ran into a roadblock there. It won 4 nothing, So they get to go to their first Stanley Cup final in the first time in 20 years. I mean, that's crazy to think that the Capitals have not been this close in 20 years, especially with a guy like Alex Ovechkin who has just been really good. He scored early. The Caps got in there and decided that we're not going to chance this. 
I mean, the guy has never got past the second round. Never, ever. One of the greatest NHL players right now has never been past the second round. Minute and two into the game, and Ovechkin pops one in. Right there, you knew the Capitals were here to play. So now they're going to play the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas has got home. But I don't think that's going to matter because the Capitals beat the Lightning three times on the road. The Capitals are 8-2 and two away from home. They're winning on the road. That's the thing. You look at this. They don't have to worry about getting the win at home. They'll just go on the road and do it. I mean, Alex Ovechkin's right now riding a high. 13-year career has never been to the Cup Final. Washington hasn't been to the Cup since 1998. And everyone is contributing for Washington right now. Everyone's finding a way to put goals in the net. or They have 17 different guys who have scored. That's pretty impressive right now. And I'm happy for the guy who I thought was the hero of the Olympics a few years ago for the United States, T.J. Oshie. I like that kid. Went out there in the shootout, beat Russia single-handedly. So I'm excited for that guy as well. And I know some of these names don't mean as much to you as a James Harden, but hey, T.J. Oshie, big deal. He's getting to go to the Stanley Cup. I mean, And Tampa Bay, who I thought was rolling here the last two games, They haven't scored in this series since 33 seconds into the second period of Game 5. Game 6, nothing. Game 7, nothing. That's what's crazy about this is they were shut out back-to-back games. We'll get your phone calls in at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. I'm your host, Paul Swan. This is The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Don't forget, if you miss any part of today's show or any episode, all you have to do is find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio. We're also on TuneIn. You can go to our website, wrvc.com. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Best way to get the show. And, of course, it'll be downloaded right to your phone. So if you do that, don't forget, leave us a good review. It helps other people find the show as well. This is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. And we didn't get into it yesterday, but today uh, the NFL has made it worse. Now, yesterday they came out with their – revised policy as far as the national anthem is concerned. And and just in a nutshell, you've got to come out and stand for it. Or if you don't come out, you got to stay in the locker room. That's it. You can come out and you got to stand and show respect for the flag and the national anthem. Or if you can't do that or don't want to do that, you stay in the locker room until it's over and then you come out. Of course, You're going to see players maybe opt for that if this thing holds. And then they're going to come out. And, of course, it's almost as bad as standing, doing nothing, taking a knee, however you're protesting. 
I don't know if the NFL has found the, the right solution, but I think they've just made it worse because now they have demanded your patriotism. Just demand the patriotism. You come out, you show support for that flag, you come out. Or if you don't, you you just sit back there, and they're going to get labeled, obviously. Now, the NBA is a little bit smarter about it because you don't see the players on the court until the anthem's over. And now we find out that, unfortunately, the NFL didn't really take a vote on this. They didn't take a roll call when they passed this. They called for a show of hands. This is um, an unofficial process. Basically, hey, who thinks this is a great idea? Show your hands. Okay, great. We're going to do this. They considered that a vote. This is a show of hands. So there wasn't really a roll call. Hey, how does Dallas vote? We vote for this. How does Cincinnati vote? We vote for this. None of that. It was, hey, raise your hands. You think this is good? Okay, good. All right, we've got it. They didn't want this to fail, obviously. The officials who put this forth, the NFL. So they debated for this, and they called for a show of hands. I don't know why you don't just come out and put it down officially. Hey, here's where we stand. And this is going to, of course, be debated, and it's going to be questioned. The Players Association is going to go through this, and because this isn't something that you can negotiate. This is going to be in the ops manual. This isn't part of the collective bargaining agreement. Nothing is going to happen through that because of the way they did this. And here's the kicker on this. The policy subjects teams to a fine if a player or other team personnel do not show respect for the anthem. That includes attempts to sit or kneel. And you've seen that across the NFL. Players have done this the past couple of years. They are protesting racial inequality and police brutality. Doesn't matter what I think about this. If I agree or disagree with their protest, the fact is the NFL, the way this was set up years ago, didn't specify what you had to do. They, they wanted to wrap themselves in the flag. We're the patriotic league. And I love the flag more than anybody else, right? I mean, you know that. Come Olympic time, I'm red, white, and blue all the way. U.S. is playing tiddlywinks against Russia. I'm there. Man, I'm there. Let's do it. Let's get it on. I I just don't know if we're going about this the wrong way. Maybe they should have just backed themselves up a little bit from this. Let's wrap ourselves in the flag and avoid this by doing maybe what the NBA is doing. You have the anthem, and then players come out because – The way this is, is really restricting to the players. And the current mood here around this, which, I'm sorry, I don't want politics injected into my sports. And yes, it has by the players to a degree because they are protesting. And that's on the NFL to a degree because the way they set this up prior to this rule change... And they're making it worse here with their straw vote now. It's a unanimous vote. Um, 
it wasn't unanimous because um, San Francisco's 49ers owner, Jed York, said he abstained. So he abstained. Sources, uh, according to ESPN report, um, Oakland Raiders owner Mark Davis abstained as well. NFL said that's not true. And then President Trump, he told his favorite media outlet, Fox and Friends, that the NFL was doing the right thing. And so now the anthem policy is going to be part of the NFL's game operations manual, and it's not subject, as I mentioned, to the collective bargaining. And the Players Association, they're going to review this. They're going to challenge any aspect that is inconsistent with the CBA. I don't think you need to bring them out for the anthem. I don't know if that is going to work now because that might be, well, you're taking their opportunity away to protest. No, not necessarily. They can protest, just I would separate what they do on the field off the field. I wouldn't just, hey, let's parade them out there. If you're out here, you've got to stand. I don't know if you can get around this, at least in this manner. But it seems like the NFL's doubled down on wrapping themselves in the flag, and they've done it the wrong way. They didn't talk to anybody. They didn't consult with anybody. They didn't put this to official vote. They didn't talk to the Players Association. Because without the players, you don't have a league. Of course, it's 50-50. It's 50-50. The owners and the players are all in this together. And really, how many times... Look around. Look around when you see the national anthem being played. Look around how many people in the stadium are taking their hats off how many people in the stadium are checking their Facebook doing a status update texting on the phone having conversations how many people in the stands are really standing up being patriotic that's a fair question so I think this is open for a little debate here you can't have um, you can't have this policy where you don't consult the players. You just can't. I, I think you can't have this particular policy because there is a collective bargaining agreement, and you're just basically saying we're going to rewrite the rulebook here. It's it's a complicated mess for sure. I'm interested in seeing where it goes and how it's challenged. For one way or another, uh, I don't think this is going to achieve the goal they're looking for. Good night, everyone. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Huntington Sports Station.